Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Good morning, Jamie. Happy Thursday, everyone. Big day on the show coming up, 835. Matt Salmon joins me. We are going to talk about the direction of the Republican Party, the statement made by Karen Taylor Robeson, and the video released via uh, social media this morning by gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake saying that she is still in the fight. So we're going to get to all of that coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. Um, so be patient, and we're going to get to a lot of it. If you've not heard the Carrie Lake audio, we're going to get to that in just a few moments. want to start off with the economy because there's a mixed bag of what we are seeing. It's interesting. Target had a uh, loss of profit, 400 million profit loss that they are blaming on organized retail crime and the slowing of the economy. As Walmart, on the other hand, Walmart has seen huge gains in profitability. And uh, the warning signs are out there. We've invited our friend uh, Kristen Bentz to join us this morning. We're going to see if she's available in the nine o'clock hour to kind of give us some more clarity from her point of view. But when you look around at what's happened, Amazon, Walmart have both started accepting SNAP, which is the food assistance program, and uh, layaway on, on Amazon. And so when you start seeing the retailers, major retailers like Amazon and Walmart and Target, when they start catering to um, what are the assistance programs, welfare programs, and, and, and doing things like that, when they start having layaway on Amazon, you start seeing who they are catering to. It certainly isn't the middle class shopper or the higher end shopper. They are now looking at the work class and seeing how bad people are hurting because of gas prices. We talked yesterday about fuel prices being the highest that they've ever been at a Thanksgiving time. I also got a message this morning. I want to see if I can find it on my phone uh, from a friend of mine that is in the um, that is in the uh, agriculture industry. And uh, he said, I just got off the phone with my fuel supplier. We've been restricted on diesel now. We farm 3,000 acres. We are responsible for 7,000 cattle, head of cattle. Um, and he said, I'm fed up with leadership when you can ask one uh, ask one of the, uh, of the elected officials, because this is, must have been voice to text, um, when are people going to unleash the fuel industry and let Americans be as powerful as we should be? We ordered 2,000 gallons, and once it's there, we can get the whole load. It's first come, first served. Trucks are in line waiting. Um, from what I understand, the government is allowing 30,000 gallons of diesel per day, but that's nothing in the agriculture industry. So we are seeing if you take this into consideration, there's some news out of Ukraine. There's a deal that's been kind of made for the wheat that comes out of Ukraine and out of that region that may ease some of the food supply shortage. But when you couple a lot of what's happening together, you look in the agriculture industry and they have a huge expense when it comes to the cost of fuel. Diesel fuel remains to be exceptionally high. So that industry already is hurting here in Arizona specifically, but also in other places because we know that there is a water shortage. We know the Pinal County is going to be restricted in January and the agriculture industry, the farmers out there are going to be restricted in their water usage. So the cattle industry is suffering because you got to water the cattle and the agriculture, the farming is also being um, diminished here in the state of Arizona at a time where we have a food shortage and prices going up. So when you couple what they're going to end up paying for the water that they are allowed to use, along with the fuel that they have to use to farm, this is why we continue to see food prices go up. 
So when I've talked in the past about the fossil fuel industry and what the administration has done with the assault on the fossil fuel industry, this is how it plays out. So to all of my friends out there that are are climate change believers and believe we have to take dramatic and drastic measures in order to rein in climate change, this is the result. When you tell the fossil fuel industry that they will be out of business in a few years, when you overregulate, when you diminish their capacity for exploration, for drilling, when their refineries are not being open back up because they know that spending the money and taking the time to reopen and repair and refurbish refineries only to be told that they're going to be shut down soon is why you're seeing this industry in such turmoil. So then when the White House says, look at the obscene profits, look at the obscene profits of the federal government. This is, again, is another part of this where the American taxpayer should be looking at this very closely. In the month of October, it was the highest month ever for tax collection into the United States Treasury. Once again, setting records at a time when the president of the United States is already in line for taxing the rich. And now they want to put um, this obscene profit tax on companies. How does that lower prices? It doesn't. This is where my frustration comes from. I understand we have political differences. I understand that when I sit here on the air as a conservative Republican and I start bashing a Democrat president, that that's what I'm supposed to do. And now the battle lines are drawn. But let's have an honest conversation about what's happening just in this one industry. I talk about contractors and small business owners that have vehicles on the road, whether it's gas prices or diesel prices. And we talk about how hard it is for companies to maintain profitability when you have this kind of a spike in prices. The individuals that now are going to drive for Thanksgiving weekend are going to spend more money on gas than they ever have before for a Thanksgiving weekend. And all of this has to be taken into account. What are families going to do? How are families going to survive? How is it going to affect their Thanksgiving? But now we're talking about the food that we buy at the grocery stores and why it remains exceptionally high. So now you've got restrictions on buying diesel. We think immediately, I'm just like everyone else, immediately we think about the trucks on the road. The 18-wheelers that are driving right now and how excessively expensive it is to fill those tanks, which we all agree with. The agriculture industry, what's happening here in Arizona? Let's just talk about our farmers and ranchers. You know, Arizona, that's one of the A's is agriculture, you know, and one of the C's out there, crops. We talk about the the different things we have here in Arizona. Citrus is one of them. And we, you know, the farmers, the people that are raising the food that we eat here in the state of Arizona. And what are we doing? We're watching the federal government and the overregulation affect an industry to the point where there's not enough diesel fuel. We're not able to refine it. And why aren't they opening the refineries? If the money is there, the profitability is there, it's because long term they're being told you're done. You're being told that you are done. And um, that to me is one of the biggest issues. Um, it is the – <sighs> It is, to me, the most embarrassing thing that's happened, and it's infuriating because the farmers and ranchers are such a cornerstone of who we are. Now, you guys know the five C's in Arizona, copper, cattle, cotton, citrus, climate. So of the five C's, three of them, three of them are farmers and ranchers. The five C's of Arizona, copper, cattle, cotton, citrus, and climate. 
And here we are, an industry that's going to be hammered because of the water usage and what's going on. It's not going to affect you if you water your lawn. You know, and, and we all try to do our part. What I did this year was um, at the suggestion of the city of Phoenix, which I thought was a reasonable one is that they ask that you don't plant winter grass, which I didn't do because you have to water it so much to get it to grow. You're watering it three, four times a day. It's got to stay wet for weeks at a time. So it wasn't the expense for me. It was I just wanted to do a little bit of my part to make sure that we're conserving water. So that's what I've done. I've backed way off on watering my lawn as a whole, but I also am not, I didn't plant winter grass. I can suffer through having a, having a, a, a less than bright green lawn for, you know, for a time. It is, to me, infuriating that we watch the farmers and ranchers suffer in Pinal County, the, the changes that are coming their way. And now on top of that, I'm hearing from one of the farmers and ranchers that they're restricted on what they can buy, and it's hammering that industry. We are paying an outrageous amount of money for food anyway. And now we're restricting an industry because of the fuel that they can't get access to. This, to me, is one of the biggest parts of the issues. This, these are the conversations we should be having. They are philosophical, so therefore they are political. But if we're going to have the conversation about the future and climate change and electric vehicles and all the direction that we want to go in, we have to look at either the unintended consequences or the consequences that are going to happen intended or otherwise. It's infuriating. It's difficult for me to, to, to know some of the farmers and ranchers that I do and not understand their anger. These are hardworking people that are providing the food that we eat. And their hands are tied. So, yeah, I can, I can sit here and say that the, we should be unleashing the power of the American people and let the fossil fuel industries do what they do. Let, let them, um, uh, you know, get America back to being um, just – independent when it comes to fuel and energy independent. But now the reality of it for this industry, this other industry, which is cattle and farming and ranching, they're suffering greatly. And it is a byproduct of these policies, not even in part, in great numbers. What we're going to do in a moment is we're going to talk to Matt Salmon. Now, Matt Salmon is a former congressman, former gubernatorial candidate. He was in the Arizona State Legislature for a long time, but he also is a former chairman of the Arizona Republican Party, of the AZGOP, with a unique perspective. We're going to talk with him about the direction of the Arizona Republican Party and what needs to happen with election denial and what needs to happen moving forward. That conversation happens next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the Mike Broomhead Show. Joining us right now uh, is got a resume a mile long when it comes to Arizona politics. Been around a long time. Arizona State Legislature, member of Congress, gubernatorial candidate and former AZ GOP chairman. Matt Salmon joins us. Matt, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. Good to be on, Mike. Let's. Uh, I want to talk about, I mean, from your historic perspective, being the chairman of, of the party here in Arizona and having been a member of the party as a PC for all the years you have. Let's talk from that perspective. Um, Karen Taylor Robeson came out with a statement earlier this week about leadership change in the Republican Party because it needs a new direction. Do you agree with that? A thousand percent. And I think that we're going to have far better options that are on the table right now. I've been talking to a lot of people over the last few days uh, trying to figure out where we go from here. But the party's at rock bottom right now. I mean, I've never seen it in a lowlier place. And it's 
it's fixable. And I think it's not going to be easy, Mike, because it's taken a long time to get in this sad state of affairs. But, you know, when you look at how things turned out in the last election, it couldn't be worse. I mean, I've lived in Arizona for 50 years, and I never thought I'd see the day when both of our U.S. senators were from the Democrat Party. That hasn't happened since the Harry Truman administration. And the, the idea that we've lost pretty much everything at the state level, there's a couple still hanging in the balance, but it's, it, it, it's broken badly. And it's not to anybody, even the independents and the Democrats, it's not to anybody's advantage to have a, a, a wounded and, and a broken Republican Party. When you uh, they uh, she asked for the resignation. I'm talking about Karen Taylor Robes and asked for the resignation of, right. of the of the chairwoman. Except she's not running for re-election, which means we're going to have a new chairperson no, anyway. But she has she has handpicked a woman named Pam Kirby who would be more of the same, and that would be just as bad of a mistake as uh, keeping Kelly Ward in office because she's kind of Kelly Ward's mini me. So how do and you so it would be a horrible mistake to do that. So explain how in, in the contentious atmosphere that we have in Republican politics, not just the divide in the country is huge, but within the Republican Party in Arizona. How do you entice someone to run for that job? I think what you have to do is, is put up the idea that. Uh, this country and its ideals and what we stand for, because it's not just Arizona. Arizona is kind of the epicenter uh, of Republican uh, Party politics failure right now. But, you know, we we, we kind of it's like when you see the stars in the firmament at night, you know, it begins with one star and then another and then there's millions. Um, I think we've got to uh, start appealing to. Republicans better nature uh, get back to that idea that Ronald Reagan talked about that shining city on a hill and actually standing for something get a, getting away from being the party of some cult of personality and getting to the point where we're actually the party of ideas again that's the only way we're going to win elections and um, I'm a precinct committee man I'll, I'll, I'm uh, vying for a state committee and there's a lot of dialogue right now uh, among the ranks about who's going to be our next leader. And I'm actually optimistic. Those talks are going really good. So, but it also is about not pushing one half of the party out or the, in either direction. It's no, how we, no, we don't want to, we can't push anybody out, Mike. We don't have that luxury. We have got to get back to being the big tent. And we can't go out on the stump and say, you know, to the McCain wing of the party, uh, get, get the hell out. I mean, we need them more than ever. And we need leaders that are willing to stand up and say, you know what, we want all comers in the Republican Party. We need everybody to believe that they have a home in the Republican Party. We need to be welcoming. We need to be telling people, you know, there are folks out there that I don't agree with 100 uh, percent. I didn't agree with John McCain 100 percent. In fact, he and I had some knockdown, drag out fights. But you know what? We need everybody to keep this party together. And I believe that that message needs to be loud and clear. Were you, uh, have you seen the video that was released by Carrie Lake this morning on social media? I've not heard it, but I, I've heard about it. All right, so I want, uh, excuse me, I haven't, I haven't seen it personally, but I've heard right. about it. And I've heard that she says she's assembling the, you know, the greatest legal mind, yada, yada, yada. But the fact is, Mike, you know what? In 2002, when I lost to Janet Napolitano by less than 10,000 votes, I think Kerry lost by 18,000 votes. When I lost by less than 10,000 votes, there were anecdotes uh, about uh, voter 
fraud and voter irregularities that I heard. Uh, and, and it took 10 days. It took longer at that time to actually determine the vote longer than it did between her and Katie Hobbs. And when they finally came out, man, I felt like I had an arrow to the heart, Mark. I, Mike, I, I, I fought my heart out to win that campaign. And we had heard anecdotal stories, especially on the Navajo Nation, about busloads of people coming over from the New Mexico side and voting on our side. But after all was said and done, a statesman has to realize that the good of the state, the good of the country, you have to put that first. And so... Even though, and you also have to work with what's provable, not what you, some uh, story you heard from somebody, uh, you know, in the hinterlands, but you have to know what you can prove. And so ultimately, I decided, even though at that point it was the closest governor's race in the history of Arizona, I decided that what, what had to happen was to put the state first and move forward and try to rebuild the party. And then, as you know, I later became the state party chairman and try to make sure that we don't lose elections again in the future. If we sit here grousing about stolen elections and, and come up with this, as Yogi Berra would say, deja vu all over again, uh, Einstein says that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It's time to move on. Matt, I always uh, appreciate your uh, perspective and your passion, and I appreciate you coming on and talking about this, and I hope you'll come back. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. All right, that is Matt Salmon, former GOP chair here in the state of Arizona, a member of Congress, state legislature, been a a PC for a long time, and you can hear the passion in his voice. Um, Coming up in just a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's the big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Good morning, Gatos. Oh, listen to you. You sound excited. How are you? I'm great. You sound good. Listen to that voice. You sound excited (laughs) and a little pep in your step today. Yeah, I'm feeling better. You had a date last night, didn't you? I did not. Come on, that's what I'm hearing. Who are you hearing that from? I'm hearing it in your voice. I'm hearing that things went well last night. I'm just saying. Nope. Nope. This weekend? I did get some sleep. Well, all by yourself. Yep. Well, my dog's at the house. <laughs> I always have Kane. Kane's always available. He's that such is a, such that is an awesome name for a dog. Yeah. But I named him Kane, not like Kane and Abel. I named him right. Kane for the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, there was a wrestler, you know, I like WWE. Oh, of course. There was a wrestler named Kane. He was uh they called him the big red machine because yep. he was all in red and he wore a mask and he was scary. Someday, uh someday you, I'll have to tell you some of my old wrestling stories because I used to work backstage at all the uh, big events in Southwest Florida. I would love it. Yeah, so I got to hang out with all the greats. And they uh, are such good guys. So I'll tell you uh, all the stories. Macho man, all of them. Uh, yeah. You know the uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage uh, about oh, yeah. the, I know about twenty years ago. I'm sitting at my desk at KTAR. He walks right by. No. He walked right by the desk. Yeah, because uh, we had a hip hop station. Yeah. That was ninety two point three. It was a hip hop station, and uh, he was there to be a guest. He walked right by my desk, and I stopped him and had a great chat. And he actually talks like that. Yeah. Off the air. He does. Yeah. And and uh, and Rowdy Roddy Piper, the late Rowdy Roddy Piper, both oh. of those guys dead now. But yeah. Roddy Piper was it was actually that person in person. That ah. was not an act. He's all. He's one of my favorites. Oh, mine too. He was great. Uh, see, you and I have so much more in common. I know. Than Everybody we ever thinks. thought. I know. What I do you got? got good, let's I hear got a good cue. Here we go. All right. No, we're out of time. All right. Uh, flu cases already 10 times higher statewide than this time last year and nearly five times higher than a typical flu season. This is what we're worried about, not COVID. We're worried about the flu. 
All right, did you get the flu shot? A, yes, I'm good to go. B, not yet. C, nope, scared of needles. D, I got four COVID shots. Does that count? <laughs> I stopped counting at three or four. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. I didn't get the last one. I got the flu shot, but I didn't get the last COVID thing yet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's going to be pretty nasty. So uh, yeah. uh, go get that shot, man. Go get it. They put it right in your, right in your cheek, right in the butt cheek. <laughs> go ahead. It hurts less that way. <laughs> Just pull down the drawers. They do it right at Walgreens. They, they, they look at you weird, but it doesn't hurt. A lot of fat there. Oh, Gatos, you make me laugh, man. Have a uh, good day. See ya. All right, that's Gatos and the Big Q Poll Question of the Day. Brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. You can go to KTAR.com, see how people vote, and vote there yourself. Just after 9 o'clock, our good friend Kristen Bentz, KB Advisory Group, to talk about the economy. Up at Walmart, down at Target, what does it all mean? It's all coming up in just a couple of moments.